And we are back here once again with another episode of the Iron Man podcast, episode 212 with Mr. Peter Piske, right? Pishki, Pishki. Pishki. Like, yeah, fish and key. Like fish uh, key? Prussian. Okay. Yeah, the oh, Prussians. Peter. Okay, got it. Yeah, they Damn like their it. sauerkraut and <laughs> their hard to pronounce names. Oh, Lord. So, well, nice to meet you, man. How are you doing? Doing, doing okay. A bit busy, you know, Thanksgiving being tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I somehow got saddled with uh, watching the animals and helping getting ready for everything. So it's been busy, but good. A good kind of busy. Okay. Uh, it's because you are watching your animals for, like, your, your wife or something? Uh, for, just for my family in general. I have family coming into town, and they need to stash, you <gasps> okay. know, stash the dog. Okay. The birds. So let's start that here with your origin story. So how was your life growing up, actually? Uh, pretty good. I I grew up, uh, you know, uh, middle or class uh, life, mm-hmm. uh, single parent household, kind of tough things were going on there. Uh, uh, I don't know. I grew up here in the northern Midwest, so South Dakota. Uh, so it's like it's like uh, cold eight out of 12 months. I swear it's like it starts to snow either end of October or in November, and then doesn't stop till the end of April, maybe sometimes into May. So it's like, like most of the year, it's under ice. And that can get very long. <laughs> and then you wonder, like, why do people even live up here? But then you realize, wait a second, there's Canada. There's like yeah. a whole country, like above <laughs> us. Those people must be crazy. Like, that's interesting, because I hate cold weather. I actually despise it. I'd rather it be hot as fuck outside. Like, if I had to choose, I just, I can't do cold weather. I don't know how people live in freezing cold temperatures with it basically snowing for half the year. And the only time you really get, like, any hot weather is basically, like, you know, it's like the medium-ish hot weather where it's only, like, a little bit hot in the day and it just kind of just becomes cold as fuck. So, like, what is the average temperature at normally during your days sometimes? Mm, I don't know. Uh, it it it. Uh, I mean, when it's nice in the fall, you know, it's like in the 60s, 70s. Uh, that's kind of nice. We, mm-hmm. This last year has been kind of weird because we, it was pretty uh, hot for uh, mm-hmm. our typical year. But no, we don't we don't get like in the southwest or east, you know, where it typically can get above 100 and then you add mm-hmm. in the humidity. Uh, but and I, I've spent some time in that part of the country and then mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so used to it up here. So it feels like I'm just sweating to death. The, the humidity really is the worst. I'm, I'm kind of a wimp, though. I, okay. <laughs> so I, I'm a little bit of a hermit, a little bit of a wimp. Uh, I like being a hermit. I like not touching grass. People are scary, you know? I kind of like being in my own <laughs> confined space. You know, like people like yes. rag on, people like uh, how Batman can like sit in his back cave and just do whatever he wants and then goes out when he feels like. kind of like that, too. I kind of like just being in my own space and then maybe interacting if I really feel like I want to interact with people. Because, I don't know, you know... Over like interaction is fine. I guess it's cool, but after after you've been alive for a long time, going on 20, 30 some plus years, you start to not want to interact with everyone because you know how like you're in school, that the the motto kind of is to like interact with your peers and talk to them, make friends, but like that's so different compared to how like actual real life goes. You know, you're like, well, I don't really want to talk to everyone because people are crackheads and there's some drug addicts and you talk to a drug addict, they're going to put you on meth. So yeah, not, not really something I generally want to be uh, interacting with people for as I'm in California and there's drug addicts here, but you know, I do, mm-hmm. 
thankfully live in a part of California where it's not that bad. So <laughs> I I do think as you get older, you do get more misanthropic. You just dislike mm -hmm. people more. I don't know if it's dislike people more. You just don't want to have to deal with it as much. But, you know, it's interesting. Like, you know, I feel like I, I'm like a, a hermit, right? But then I talked to a family or friends who were Gen Z, you know, much younger. And that generation are practically afraid to leave their houses. I mean, they make, they make uh, us uh, older millennials, mid-millennials look, you know, practically normal, which is a really bizarre thing to me. But I, I don't know if it was the Rona or it's just because of where we are with social media in the digital age. Something about it. People are really weird. You know, I, I think that's mm. something we discount in a lot of this discourse because it right. assumes like you're talking to a person on the other end that had like pretty normal socialization, mm. has a pretty basic understanding of how people work and live. Mm -hmm. And it's like so many people on the other side of Twitter uh, or TikTok. <laughs> They don't have that. And, and, and yeah. you can't really tell that just looking at a uh, user tag. But mm -hmm. it's like, no, the person you're talking to, they they literally. Do you know how I figured that topic. out, man? I figured yeah. it out by g given how they'll speak to you. And it's not like disrespectful at some of the time. It's more like, you know, that doesn't apply in real life, right? They they mm -hmm. talk so like, they talk so like idealistically. And it's like, dude, that's not how those situations play out. Yes, yeah, like. In a perfect world, I would love things to idealistically play out the way they should be. I would love that, but that's literally not how life works. They always talk about idealistically, it should be like this, and people should interact with that person like this. No, 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 because there's a thing called free will. It's what we have as human beings, and you can interact with someone however you choose to. You know, They're like, no, you should do that. No, 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 you can't do that because that, there's rules against that. They, they clearly made laws against where you can basically have someone tell you how to be because you know slavery was kind of a, you know somewhat abolished to a certain extent for like modern civilization, but you know, still exists in other places, but it's like these people where they want to somewhat control how people interact. And it's like, you can't do that though. Like there's a reason why you can't, because there's actual laws against it. And I mean, the constitution talks about that. There's plenty of things. I don't know what these kids are learning in school. Like they're actually learning garbage. Like whoever's telling you that is an idiot. That's not how real life works. Like, you know, people will be like, oh, well, this boss is an asshole and he's a bad person. What's well, like, a lot of people are assholes. So mm -hmm. I don't know how you're ever going to function in a job world if you can't handle an asshole. Like, I'm just saying, like, who's like, that's not right. Well, that's not fair. So I guess you're going to have to just learn how to get over it, you know, tough it up. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you've ever worked retail, if you ever worked at like a restaurant, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a very good chance you're looking at 60, 70 percent a-holes. Like, yeah, sure. like you, you are there's somebody that's going to be just a regular jackass to you today. <laughs> like I can guarantee you, you work at Walmart, you work at Target. It's going to happen. And you just it's just like that's kind of kind of how people are. Uh, and then you get older and you're like, oh, actually, you know, maybe I was a bit of a butthead today. You know, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, you have to live in the in the real world and you have to understand mm -hmm. things are messy and people mm -hmm. are not very nice. And even nice people sometimes are not being very nice. And that's just that's just how it is. You know, that's mm -hmm. why the world of social media, I think, especially TikTok is so appealing to people because you can put it makes it you think you can put these people or things in boxes and they'll stay there. Mm -hmm. And that just isn't the case in any field you work in, anything that, that is reality. But I wonder how much, and I, I know this sounds so much like, you know, the old man yelling at clouds. I get that. But I do <laughs> wonder with the, the younger generations, like 
is less exposure to reality and how bad people generally can be. Is that meaning that they have a less realistic understanding of their own expectations, like how, what they can do with their lives, what they should expect, you know, but, but just like, you know, what's going on in the world. I remember back when I was an, an undergrad and uh, it was an English mm -hmm. class. And so uh, they decide and, uh, English people, are weird that's my experience with academia but anyhow uh he wanted to sign a science project basically so you're all right. going to go and research some topic you're going to do an essay about and then you're present to the class and someone had done something on climate change and it was it was pretty much literally uh oh what is it uh the day after there it is there's the name the day after tomorrow have you seen that movie this was like mid-2000s so like yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like climate change. In the middle of the movie, this it uh -huh. gets so cold, so fast. This helicopter in the sky, the, hmm. the, the blades freeze over and just falls in midair. <laughs> it's, it's just incredibly realistic. Now, I I I am someone that my background, even back at school, is journalism. So I'm so I don't have a lot of time for, for silliness. And and the guy gave this presentation and point blank, he was basically mm -hmm. he was making this argument. <laughs> And then, and then now I was like, I was, I was chuckling because I was like, th th this can't be real, right? You know, you're on Twitter and you see some moron. You're like, oh, those poor fools, that kind of thing. So Not so good in real life, by the you way. You said you're a journalist. So I'll ask you this. Now, you can obviously answer however you want to. You know, you're not obligated to give me yeah. anything, but please give me all the juicy information, please, so I can have it for clout purposes. Just kidding, everyone. This is all just jokes. Um, You know how people always talk about journalists basically – how like the mainstream media will like phrase the narrative in a certain way. So they have their journalists and people say the thing that they want them to say, not if it's that actual person's opinion. So I don't know if you work for a company or anything, or you have your own website, but if you ever work for someone, have they ever had you portray a narrative that wasn't something you actually believed in? It was something that you were kind of against, but you kind of went with it because, you know, mm. it's just the job. It that's a good question. I'll finish my story, and that kind of that will that will kind of push into it. Okay. So basically, fine. this guy gives this ridiculous presentation. It's like you just basically copied a movie script, and then <laughs> this is and then I I I I was kind of rude, and I chuckled, and asked a question. It's like, okay, but are you being serious? Because you know that's a movie. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is the real world. Movie, <laughs> real world, different. And then the professor was dead face. He says, "Well, what are you talking about, Peter?" <laughs> That's exactly how it works. I, and now I didn't even know. I, I look because I was like, what? What? And that's kind of how I feel like it is these days. It's like, like reality doesn't seem to want to fit people. And I don't mm -hmm. know why that is. Now, how does that deal with narratives? It's because people come in with narratives with how they think the world works. Um, and when people, especially when they're approaching journalism, they really come to it from a feeling like, uh, this person was biased, and so they did this biased reporting. But it's often much more complicated than that. Um, say you're looking, you're working at a local news outlet. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, your KTSO, whatever your <laughs> your little uh, outlet is. You know, your job uh, at that outlet, if you're a news person, is you need to produce stories that are useful for your community, and you need to produce stories that are going to get attention. Uh, in these days, of course, it's clicks, and so the incentives structure there is not only is, is that you're not necessarily doing the news that's most vital and useful for your community you do some of that but but really at the end of the day for you and your company most benefit is to produce the news that will bring the most attention and so that's why you know you go to journalism school talks about the car chase scenarios like why does 
your local news outlet if there's a car chase, you know, which really it doesn't affect that many people. It has a very low imprint on actually how much it impacts people. Well, mm -hmm. the reason they go with that is because that's what's interesting. And that's what people will follow. And so that's what they make juicy. But that doesn't just stop at the local level. That's all of news now. To some level, this is kind of always true, but to, now it's to the nth degree because the economy, the way it is, because these news companies are falling apart and ad dollars are just down in the dumps. The desire to get big clicky stories, to get the big juicy uh, headlines, to get the kind of stuff, you know, they'll get you that kind of attention. You know, it's boring if you're, you know, going to the climate change example. It's like, well, climate change hit another year and we've got, you know, 0. 0.0007 uh you know uh of uh, a temperature degree of celsius up this year and we had a precipitation increase you know a point zero zero one i mean that's not very interesting it's very important but it's not very interesting so what do they do well, climate change is on its way and you're all gonna die and and now if now is this actually useful information to people no because you're you're now freaking people out does that mean climate change is an important issue no it's a very important issue but it's it, it doesn't quite work like that, but we live in this mm -hmm. unhealthy news environment where everyone wants junk food. And the only way the news companies and the news reporters feel like they can get further their careers and even, you know, keep their jobs is that they provide the junk food. And of course, that doesn't mean that we actually get very useful information. We're just getting car chases. We're not actually getting, oh, here's what happened into your little community who, you know, uh, here's this guy who was on parole, you know, and he skipped parole and he's right there. And that, that might be important to know. No, they don't really let, want to talk about that. Oh, you know, here's your local city councilor. They want to pass this amendment to change the, 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 you know, the stoplight up the street. That's not the kind of thing that we get in the news today. It's very much the other direction. Now, people say, well, that, that well, obviously people have political biases. Yeah, to some degree they do, but more so than political biases, they have um, economic biases. They have they want to get paid. I'm And I, I this is con my most controversial but obvious point I probably make these days is to left or right. And neither really likes to hear this. If you want to if you want to fix the problem of bad news or we all feel at each other's throats just make sure you could pay the journalists you know make sure people have jobs and they feel secure i've seen this in my, my own work i used to write for um the post millennial which is a conservative outlet from canada interesting little place um and you know the money that you would make doing stories there is so low and that's so typical of that kind of work that you do and it's like, well, you want the accolades from your boss, you want the promotion. Well, you got to provide, you know, the the clickable news, and that incentive is just so so very strong. Um, it's something that I've tried really hard in my career to get away from, but it's difficult because it doesn't matter if you're left or right. It doesn't matter if you're like, oh, I, you know, I love the nerds or I hate them. You know, if you're, you're Kotaku, for example, it, it's all the same incentive structures. And unfortunately, if people really want things to change, it will have to find some kind of new model where like people will get paid and mm -hmm. rewarded for doing the, the quality news, the good quality right. news, the useful stuff, uh, and not just putting out, you know, what's what's the equivalent of Cheetos in a headline <laughs> form. But we don't know what that is, and very few right. people have tried to figure it out. And that was well, very long-winded, but I hope that kind no, of- No, no, because I was gonna add something to what you were gonna say. And you're, you're all, obviously you can have your opinion about this too, which is the thing you just talked about, which is what a lot of people still won't understand. Even when we're talking about this right now in 2023 
at around six my time is that all sounds good and that should be how it should be and it's not even idealistically you know we talk about idealistic ways of thinking no no that's how it should be though when it comes to this kind of a thing but this the thing you identified in your uh point that people are going to forget is People don't click on that stuff. People don't care about that stuff as much as they say they do, right? Yes. So I, Very so true. yes, in a perfect world, you would want to talk about things that are going to benefit people to make sure that they are aware of situations obviously going on. And that should be what the uh, company you're working for should push. But when it comes to like journalism and all this stuff, as you've, as you've learned potentially, that's how people click on. People always say they want that. They're like, well, why does the news focus on this? Or why don't they talk about the good things that happen? Well, you're not going to care. And the people that say they will mm -hmm. still will not care. It, it's like, oh, how do I play this to people that are, that are kind of younger? Okay, so anyone younger watching this, I know people on like like Spotify and podcasts or like they have a younger audience too. Mm -hmm. So people that are under the age of, let's say 25, people in your life will say something, but instead of actually saying how they really feel, they'll just kind of say what sounds nice. But then their actions... And this goes for a lot of people. This is through multiple cities, towns, states, whatever. A collective way of how it's, you know, uh, formed and brought together will show what people are really about. So the reason why news outlets, big ones, even the ones that people deem like trash, like CNN, MSNBC or whatever, the reason why they'll do things like that to get the most views is because they know that's what people are most attracted to. They know, even though they're dog shit themselves, they know that most people are not attracted to did that black guy help this old lady across the street. They know people are interested in that. Even though they slay they do, they're not because the ratings definitely show they're not. So the only way this changes, like you said, is, well, people actually, well, since the news is mostly geared towards people like us, obviously, a collective audience of people have to drive the viewership to the good stuff. There's no drama viewership to the good show. Do people know the reason why on news stations, the reason why they throw the good stuff at the very end is because they know you've probably already tuned out when the gossipy drama stuff is over. So they can put that stuff at the end of the show and it's not going to matter if it got views or not. Yeah, they're going to hope some people will eat their vegetables. You know, oh, you've right. ate these Cheetos. Here's some carrots. Let's see mm -hmm. if we can sneak, you know, let's see if we can sneak some carrots in. Yeah. So that's why you see on uh, YouTube or any social media platform, there's a reason why people just don't generally lean with like, hey, this is the best thing I've done today. No, they're mostly always talking shit about someone in a video because they know that's what gets the most attention. Now, I I can't really knock on that as a strategy because that, that's a proven strategy to work if you, wanna, if you want viewers. It just does. So like I, I'll ask you this. How do you change that essentially? Because people always say they're interested in other good things that's not drama, but it's very clearly shown views and how people – generally gravitate toward things just through like drama and very bad things that happen to people you know that's a that's a tough that is a tough question we're kind of in a moment not dissimilar to what was a hundred years ago mm -hmm. we were exiting you know the yellow journalism period you know you have newsboys ye yelling on the street and the papers are very close to just making things up oh yeah <laughs> in that period there was a there was a lot of questions about how do we um improve the quality of the craft of journalism how we can we make it more reliable more useful to our audience and so there was this feeling that while performance driven is very important going along with that you have um you have an ethic you have a responsibility at the moment you know it's with youtube it's like 
there is a responsibility angle. No one wants to get in trouble. You know, no one wants to get a, a big strike. But on the other hand, you know, if you have if you have a topic and you want to get a title, you say best ever, biggest ever, worst ever. Um, and that's very much a performance thing. And, and you can look at any drama channel. So I think what has to happen is there has to be some combination of performance based. But that will also somehow to take in account being responsible and providing useful information. I don't know how that that happens. Uh, there have been some different kinds of experiments, mm. but it, it ends up going to the same thing is that at the end of the day, everyone you know wants to make a buck. And that's how the world works. And, and that's how TV news, structure is. Right. Because yeah. It, it's like this, how do yeah. you how do you bridge that gap? That's like that's like the billion dollar question. If you could actually figure out that answer and make it mm. stick. I mean, you, you could have a, a big career in the news business. Some people yeah, think maybe Substack sure. was the answer and there were some good things there, but even then it's an issue of, you know, you're basically, it's just you and then whoever you can get to subscribe to you, you know, what a lot of people refer to as uh, pay pigs, <laughs> which is a kind of an answer, but it's not really a good answer for most people. Those are relatively smaller audiences, you know, in terms of the overall audience, every person that subscribes to Substack combined, I doubt they're even a tenth of what like CNN might get in a night or Fox hmm. News. The, the vast majority of people are not doing that. And this is something that people still don't understand how TV structure works. TV structure focuses on ratings. Ratings, for those who know, is how your station gets paid. So there's a reason why you legally have to report how many people have viewed your whatever throughout the year. So sponsors and advertisers can know, can I put my stuff in this space so it can get shown and all this other stuff that goes into it, obviously. Yep. Reason why you have big big TV stations like ABC or let's say Fox, or whatever. If the show if a show does not reach a certain amount of viewers, the reason why they cut it is because it costs them more to make and run that show than it to be just yeah. Let's just cut this because it doesn't make us enough money. It's worthless to have. There's a reason why at single points in time you'll you'll see like shows just cut after one season if they don't reach the certain viewer threshold to give the that studio some money. It's worthless to have. You know, yep. that's something I cut through the business that's really always been. And someone has been like, well, why did the CW exist? Well, the CW didn't have standards. So that that's just, that's really all I can answer that. The CW didn't even care if a million people viewed their shows because they didn't have standards because they're trash. That, but these other bigger stations that actually have millions and millions of people, if you don't reach a threshold, you're out. That's just how it works. You know, and that's kind of how, like, you could tie that back into something like, you know, journalism where things – if you're working for a company and you're not getting like the generated, you know, clicks or however they, you know, bring up your metrics or your stuff, you could be out, you know? So it's one of these things that we're like, you have to like sell your soul to a certain extent to make sure your, your bills are paid, you know? I don't know no, that is, that is seriously, I have asked myself something very similar to that question mm -hmm. because it feels like if you want to get ahead and say, uh, I have experience in both mainstream conservative news, but we'll do conservative news. feels like if you want to get ahead in, in conservative news, you have to mm -hmm. play into um, the political narratives that they believe in, and you have to play it to be very juicy and very divisive. And I have become very uncomfortable being un needlessly divisive. I just don't think it's helpful. I, I don't feel like it's really ethical. So let me uh, ask you this before you so, go. But it, that what makes has... it hard, though, if you want to mm -hmm. get – gigs or if you want to be employed or if you want to yeah. get big in this ecosystem if you don't play the game uh that's that's just how it is and it's true for the left as it is the right there's not really a healthy way for the 
someone that says, actually, you know, I don't want to blow up the world today. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to ask you to this ahead. since um, you said you've worked for mainstream and other uh, news outlets. Mm -hmm. So generally run it down for people who don't know. If, so let's say something bad happens a day. Let's say something bad happens. It, it could be whatever, right? So let's say you have an opinion about what you should say because this is how you personally feel about it. But then um, you, you obviously have your showrunner or executive producer go, go out, come out and tell you this is what we need you to say. How, have you had that situation happen before? Like you wanted to make your opinion on something, but someone else came and you know you have the studio overhead guy coming and be like, no, I need you to say this because this is what we want you to say. I, I, so in my personal experience, it's usually not. There's okay, so you're at a news outlet, and there is a general understanding of how the stories go. So it's mm -hmm. like they don't have to funnel you that much, but it's right. like if you're covering a story and they want to, they want to lean on a point they want to pour more and more emphasis on a point and go with that that's how they can they that's how they can move the narrative you know and it's a it's a danger anyone that's new to journalism is writing one of the things they're they'll frustratingly find is they'll work really hard on a piece they'll craft it they'll do the research they'll write it up they'll they'll work with an editor and then by the time it comes out the headline is very different from the point that they felt was important that the story was trying to make that's a very common problem, especially for young journalists who who feel very frustrated by that. And that's kind of how they do it. So it's it's more twisting. It's not like they're making things out of whole cloth. They're just kind of taking what the truth is and bending it into a shape that they like. Now, I did a little bit of research on stuff you've done on your YouTube channel. Obviously, I, I usually look at the people that I'm bringing up before the show. You actually had on Miss Froskurin, you know, yeah, League of crazy. Legends commentator, uh, G4. You know, <laughs> on, on famous, know. infamous rant. Okay, so since you've actually spoken to her, what is your takeaway from having actually talked to her rather than what would be like, let's say, a common general narrative about Frost Gurren that would be out there? It is a weird, weird thing. I think I, I have made a lot of friends on both sides of the political spectrum. Less, be, less because we, I, we agree and more because... I know what it is to get the shaft from the media media system. And then they, I meet people who had that same experience. And it's not necessarily that they're left wing or right wing. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I got shafted and I know how that feels. And they're like, oh, yeah, I was shafted. And that's <laughs> actually a pretty good building point. That's kind of how I I, I got connected with uh, Miss Frost. Uh, it was like, yeah, I've been screwed over. I know how that goes. <laughs> um, so I did, I, I did get to spend, you know, almost goodness gracious, four hours with her um, and her uh, wife. And that was a surprising experience. I had done an investigation the year before. So when everything was starting, when the company was actually falling apart in October of, oh, so I guess uh, 2021, 2020. No, time is being weird for me. Yeah, yeah, 2022. So a year ago. And then I had to do an investigation. I'd come out very negative against her. And I, I had, I did, I thought maybe she was being overblamed too much, but that she did necessarily get a big part of the blame. And this is the difference between kind of knowing the headline and actually knowing the person that the story is about, you know, knowing the reality versus, you know, here's what I want to think. You know, it's like with John Fetterman, you know, during the election with the Republicans, he's like, this guy's brain dead. And then all of a sudden now he's like, he's all Israel. So the Republicans like, oh, this guy's great. Love his memes. It's like, okay. So <laughs> Frosk is like, she's more, she's more complicated and interesting than I gave her credit for. And most people gave it credit for. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, my, my thinks is Frosk is actually a very talented individual 
her experience was specifically in esports hosting. She was hired for that job, and then she was put in a position that we she was not hired for. Um, and against her better judgment, they decided to push things that she said. And yes, she said them, but they weren't meant for a general audience. And they kept blowing that up. And then when obviously any person that could tell you, no, don't, you don't get it. After you make everyone mad, you know, this is why I can tell you anyone else that is interested in news. The mistake you make is thinking if you just keep making people matter. Oh, it's getting so much buzz. I better get it bigger. <laughs> you know, I got to swat some more. I got to swat even a bigger beehive. Just get as mad and big as possible that all that attention that you will get, all those people on your site, like, oh, you're getting beat, you know, oh, they're so terrible to come around and swat the hive, those those terrible, awful people. The mistake they believe is when they say that they're supporting you, that's that's not true. Like maybe they do in the moment, but they they leave. They move on to the other thing, and then you're just stuck with the angry bear that was swatting the hive, okay? So all the little supportive bees are gone, and you just have the people that hate you, and that's what happened at G4. Which isn't to say that what Frost said was wise <laughs> or good or I actually that. followed Miss Indiana for a very long time. I've I've uh, been a I was I would say when she started doing casting in the LPL, and you would know that that's Chinese League of Legends pro scene for yep. the English broadcast they had. I've been following her career forever, you know. And then when she got to the LEC, you know, I, I saw her infamous. Her infamous tweets, you know, those those good yes, old yes, yeah, that's when, juicy yeah, that's Ross when tweets. Was... <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh lord. And that that's the thing is, you know, I could understand a position someone could have from the inside versus what we think of people from the outside, right? Mm. And I think that gets missed in translation too. And you know, maybe she did overreact on certain things based around League of Legends stuff. Maybe she did overreact when it came to like certain stuff around G4, but I I don't doubt for a second it didn't come from somewhere because people just don't blow up like that just because, you know, there has to be, there's always something there that leads you into doing that. No, whether it was right or wrong or perspectives change or whatever, I would like to know what those were because I would like to know how someone came to that conclusion versus what a random blow up video gave me the wrong impression of someone. Is. Yeah, 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 it's 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 really frustrating because the video that everyone saw where it was framed as she's going after the gamers, that wasn't the case. She was going after the people on our YouTube stream because she was being she had to go and do this daily stream. It, it, it was it's just so crazy. They 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 wanted them to do like like 12 different platforms and then they had to like do like 4 to 6 hours of streaming five, 5 days a week on top of everything else, all the every all the production they do. So of course, I mean, even if even if you had like Mr. Beast money, at that point you're kind of stretching what you can do. So she mm -hmm. she's on here with the stream and the, she she and the other people are getting very tired of well, you know how YouTube commenters can be on a stream. Uh, not the, I do. Not, <laughs> not the nicest. Not the <laughs> nicest. Uh there's a there's a heavy amount of trolling. And that's what they were responding to. And then someone, either in production or marketing, that they thought, oh, this this, this is what we do. We try to make as many people mad as possible. You know, it's like the South Park meme. It's like step one, make everyone <laughs> mad. Step two, question mark. Step three, lots of money. And that's basically what happened in a nutshell. I mean, the 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 company had so so many major problems. I doubt it would have survived too long, but it might have lived too long for a few years at least. 
Uh, but that that really was the death nail in the coffin. And I feel bad. You know, mm-hmm. that's the weirdest thing when you go in and you're expecting someone to be your enemy. Not that I was like going out of my way to like, you know, take a hatchet to her or anything like that. But you come in here with negative expectations of person and you and you leave with more positive ones. It's like you understand the settings they're in and then you can see yourself in that same setting and you you could largely see yourself making those same decisions. You know, mm-hmm. she, she, when she was brought in, this is so crazy since you you follow um, LOL, uh, you know, you follow esports. She was obviously brought in because she's this this up and rising talent covering esports. She was very good at her League of Legends. Yeah. I helped you with that. She was very good at it. Yeah, yeah. And they bring her in. And so they want her to do an esports show. She's hired to do an esports mm-hmm. show. Okay. This is even before X Play. X Play came later, but they were bringing her in originally to do an esports mm-hmm. show. And she's like, okay, cool. Awesome. All right. So for my esports show, I would like to show footage from, you know, from this, from this tournament. They're like, no, no footage. What do you mean no footage? Also, also, you can't mention these certain people. Well, who can I mention? Well, you can mention the, the ones that we sponsor. Wait, you want me to do a daily esports show? With no esports, that was kind of that was kind of the world that that Frostgren was in, and I think any human being that is in that kind of position might might get a little hot headed now and then. And I've worked in situations where mm-hmm. the boss didn't seem like they know what was going on. Everyone is working crazy hard, but nothing seems to be coming together. I have mm-hmm. been there. And while I don't think, you know, this is why I've said a hundred times, anyone asks me again, you know, even after day, what do you think of Frost? I think she's a good person. I think she made a mistake. And I think the company royally screwed up and turned a mistake into a fatal flaw. But so, any, this could have happened to anyone. Yeah. If it wasn't Frost, it might've been Gerard. It was someone else. Could have been a, been what was that girl position. that was on there? Gina Darling could have been, could have been her. Anyone could Yo, have easily, easily. I mean, what was that? I forgot the dude's name, but he was blowing up at everybody. That one older white guy. I forgot. Yeah. His Adam name. Sessler. Yeah. Adam, Adam Sessler. Sessler. He yeah. Was the, he was from the OG X play. Yeah. Good Lord. So the, I, I think I'll go through the rest of your interview. So I don't know if you touched on this in there, but I'll make sure I'll go through the rest because, you know, I, I got to put on podcast and listen to stuff in the backgrounds. I do things. The, the thing that threw people off in the League of Legends scene was when she was bringing up her LEC, which is Europe League of Legends. They got rebranded to LEC in 2019, actually. But she, she kept bringing up that there was someone there that was doing some stuff, whatever it may be. You know, I don't want to misrepresent her mm-hmm. words because it's been some time. What people were asking was that you, you should probably say who it is. So that way, if anybody's going to this job or we think of this person as a really good person, we would like to know what's going on because, well, why would we not? Like, I don't want to root for someone or like someone that's a bad person. You know, yeah, I would I, like I, to I know. Yeah. So that, that was, that was where I got really thrown off. I was like, no, if you, if this truly happened, I'm not saying it didn't because I wasn't there obviously, but if it did happen, I, can you, and you and she's not in the esports anymore. She, she left, she retired, right? She's out of the commentating field. She's going to do whatever she's going to do now. If you're if you're that removed from it, why not say anything at this point? Like if she truly cares about this industry, or she did at one point, saying something might change. I don't. I'm not saying she's lying. I'm not. I don't know what happened, but I would just like to know what's going on. You know, like if there's some really fuck shit going up, people should know about that, so that way they can deal with it. You know, or hopefully deal with it. My understanding from the two perspectives, I guess. Okay, so so from one from the professional perspective you don't know if you come out strong against if people have your back or you will end up with a lawsuit and a hireable so from that perspective i i can't understand for two um you know i had i i had child abuse i can kind of relate to some of this uh unfortunately Mm -hmm. um you know i had a a relative a close relative that was assaulted 
Mm-hmm. And it does, it really does mess with your head when you've been through abuse. It's like, if you're outside of it, it's like, of course you go to the cops. But I think often in those situations, thinking clearly emotionally about the issue is really tough. And often mm-hmm. people are afraid that if they go to the authorities or they make it more public, that that won't be taken seriously or will make things worse. And I think it's in that not knowing what to do, you end up with so much time passing you by. And it's like, well, now it's too late to do anything. I'm not, it, it's, it's messy. Like at the very least, like at best case, it's yeah, very I, messy. I for it, someone yeah. like Frost, it's like, and, and she did tell me that she was, she had been in a very abusive situation when she was working there. And that that was kind of a, she, she didn't say it, but she alleged that was partly a factor of the concern over at G4. Um, so I, I kind of get it. I, I, I haven't had that experience. Thank, you know, thank heaven. Uh, that has not been my experience for me, so I can't really uh, say too much. But that's, from my understanding, is kind of how the thinking goes and probably why she she didn't really go public with that. Plus, that's what's popular. That's kind of been popular the last 10 years, especially since Me Too. It's like mm-hmm. you you don't you, you want to shame, but you don't want to name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't uh. totally get, but that seems to be how it is. So I'll ask you this. Since, uh, you know, I don't know if you since you've been in the media sphere, have you gotten invited to like a movie premieres and stuff like that? I have not. I know no movie. Pre- not, well, not anything that's like, like, uh, not nothing that's like big, not, not like a Marvel movie. Oh, <laughs> like, God. do you want to go to the Norwegian? Do you want to go see the premiere of the Norwegian <laughs> film? And like, uh, you're like, I don't know about that. One, I, I'm, I'm okay. Thank you though. I see you post on street. your Twitter account that, uh, there's yeah, a new Disney movie coming out called a uh, wish actually. And like, you said on your Twitter account, which I agree with, uh, yeah, I don't know if many people out here heard of this movie. Uh, this wasn't even marketed. This, is, this was marketed. Well, I missed everything because I don't, I don't know what the fuck this was. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it's crazy. And it's supposed mm-hmm. to be – it's so – entertainment is in such a weird place, Disney most mm-hmm. especially, because it's like this was supposed to be their anniversary film. Like if Disney was being run – even like it was like a decade ago, same CEO, mm-hmm. just a decade ago, you know, they would have had a huge, great marketing lineup. They would have been ever getting everyone jazzed about, oh, it's the 100th anniversary of Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, get excited. You know, and then they would have Wish, this movie, which is basically a, it's supposed to. I don't spoilers. It turns out all the characters at the end of Wish are like founding important characters of Disney animation as a whole, like the hero ends up being the the uh i'm trying to i can't even think the 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 magic step fairy whatever her name is from cinderella and like the star character oh he's the star from pinocchio it's like oh the dog he's from zootopia that kind of thing it's like supposed to be this huge thing instead it's like it's like a wet fart like Mm -hmm. no one's heard of it no one cares (laughs) it's like uh, okay disney made another bad movie what's new uh, which is just just insane to me because it wasn't that mm-hmm. long ago. You think of Endgame. What is that, 2019? And like Disney's the biggest thing that's ever happened. They can do no wrong. And we've, we've gone in just four years from Disney is perfect. Mm-hmm. They're the most amazing people's evers to, oh, I don't know if Disney's going to last another year. And that, is, <laughs> that is such a bizarre, it's such a wild swing in such a short amount of time. But that's kind of where Disney is right now. And it's a bit, it is a big question, like how much of this can they actually fix? And I, I just don't know. I just don't know. Like how, like if you've ruined Star Wars and, it, and ruined in the sense that no one's interested. Okay. And you've taken Marvel. And again, what we just saw with the Marvel's movie, no one's interested. How do you fix that? 
like it's not just that something's broken it's that people just don't want to try and if you can't get people to try then you can't fix it so i don't know i don't know it's a mess entertainment it's weird is a mess. because people brought up uh that elemental which started out really bad but they got really good the problem that people don't get and never will understand is these big blockbuster temples you would know this too they need to make a lot of money there's a reason why people harp on if they fail because Okay, people, so Elemental making $400 million is, like, on a surface level, that is good on a surface level. But when you look deeper into things, because people, listen to me, look deeper into things. Marketing, okay? That itself probably takes a third of that right there. Then, if you factor in theater cuts, right? And if you distribute and you, if you distribute the movie internationally, all those theaters got to get their cut. You can't just put your stuff in someone's territory for free. That's not how that works. You know, so there's mm -hmm. so many factors as to the reason why they put in a high budget for these movies to reap back a huge profit number. They don't want to break even. Breaking even to these guys is losing. And it's, it's straight up yeah. just a loss. And people say, what about men making money? Because there's, there's a difference between make, breaking even, making money, and profit. No, even making money is still not what they want to be. They, they want to make big profits. They need big yes. numbers. For a corporation, back. yes. For a corporation, yeah. it's not enough just to come with a profit. You have to make more profit than you ever did. From the year it's before, true. that's why forever. Like, <laughs> that's why you see with like MCU movies, where if one, if the first one we did very well, they'll give a bigger budget to the second one, hoping to get to get that ten x return. So yeah, if Elemental made forty million dollars, which it did. If you look at that budget and the marketing they spent on that, it doesn't matter. That still is that's still not a good number. But it's people like it's forty million dollars. Yes, but you start dividing things up versus how much they spent on marketing as well versus ticket costs for the theaters, all the theaters they're in, guys. You gotta stop looking at surface level numbers, even the ones that are bigger. So someone's like, "What about the Love and Thunder?" It took in like seven twenty. It broke even because its budget was like two fifty, but the margin was like three hundred million dollars. That's about a break even point there. You know that didn't make any profit. Yeah, the old the um the old standby, and I, I think this is generally believed. It has to be two point five the budget. So right. if you mm -hmm. if the movie is to make money, it has to be two point five the budget. So it's, mm -hmm. if you spend more on marketing. Than you ever do actually on the production itself, especially in animation. Um, so it can get expensive real fast. Mm. Even if you have because mm -hmm. you have a, like a like a hundred million dollar budget movie that's moderate these days for like a Marvel film. So then you have to make so two point five. So you have to make two hundred fifty million on top of that. So you're <laughs> it, it, it. So you're like you won't actually be making lots of dough here in the four hundred five hundred million range. Yes, okay. that's true. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of money to make. Yeah, like a lot. that's why it used that, yeah. to be. Mm -hmm. That's why it used to be even that the concept of a hundred million dollar movie. And we're going back to the nineties. The idea that you would spend that much on any film mm -hmm. was just an anathema. And that now we have movies going into the three hundred million production range. And it's like so. This movie has to make like a billion dollars for us to mm -hmm. to make any profit, and that's that's insane. Mm -hmm. but, it's what's happened. It's just the, you know, dude, do you know what's crazy is like, you'll have media just lie guys. This is how they lie to you. So fast X, I love the fast first movies, despite how crazily bad some of them end up getting fast X is one of the most expensive movies ever made it. It's budget clocked in of like what? three fifty, three seventy. So guys, they said this movie made money when it hit $714 million at the box office. Okay. So so someone would say, how would you know if it made it made money break even? Okay, we know this because other $300 million budgeted movies, we would, we know they made profit because of how much money they took in. So like, let's just use another one, for example. Rise of Skywalker. 
But Skywalker, $300 million budget, about marketing is like what, $400 million, some, some million odd dollars, right? Took in a billion, 300 million, some odd dollars, right? They know it recorded profit, right? So yes. how did a movie with a similar budget need to hit a billion dollars and millions more to make profit, but one that had the same budget needed less to make money? Guys, it doesn't make any sense. They're just lying to you. They're just flat out lying. I, I would imagine it's assumed in there that the money that they will make off merchandising and streaming and all Selling that, it, is, yeah. yeah, what 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 will turn you around enough? So it's like, and that's why these things are guesstimates. So it's like when a movie like the Marvels can't break a hundred million, it's like there's no way this thing is turning a profit because it's like it does. You, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you yeah. could you could sit you could sell triple, quadruple the number <laughs> in streaming have film goers. It's still not going to even get you close. But it's like a movie that's like at set, you know, like uh, seven hundred. 50 million range is like yeah we could see how this gets pushed over mm -hmm. into profit territory it's so weird because remember how they tried gassing up the marvels where they're like oh the marvels you know it's budget's like 220 million it only needs 420 to break to, to make money whoa, whoa, whoa the flash they reported the flash had a similar budget to that and needed 750 to break even so guys how would the marvels need less money than a movie around the same similar budget to it to make money like what it, and people are like, yeah, you're right. No, no, guys, they're lying to you. It's, it, these people say these things because obviously they want to be in good graces with the studio. So you know they're going to gas up these numbers or make a number up, even though it doesn't make no logical sense because they want to obviously have that, you know, the access media. It's something that they mm -hmm. do, you know. So I read these numbers and I go, I'm like that Asian meme. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm just no. reading these things going like, what the fuck? No, Disney is particularly bad. Disney is by far the worst. Access yeah. Media, for those who may not be familiar, um, it really what didn't used to be true. Like, it mm -hmm. is true now, but it didn't used to be true. Because it used mm -hmm. to be, like, in the 90s, if you did criticize the latest Paramount picture, Paramount's mm -hmm. like, no, now, now no one at your newspaper's allowed to see these movies again. <laughs> that that, that kind of came later. To the point where Disney, I mean, they, if you put the kind of wrong, you know, uh, YouTube comments, you know, if they, if they feel like you're not, you're not totally, you know, on board, then they're just going to not let you, you know, get an interview with whatever, you know, celebrity actor you have on this film project. You don't get to do the little, I forget what they call them. I'm going to call it a shindig for lack of a better term, where they bring <laughs> like one or two uh, stars from the project and they get a hotel and then they grab like a bunch of reporters and they sit in a room. And they kind of rotate the people out. If you ever wonder why it seems like the interview quotes from all the different outlets are oddly pretty much the same, well, that's why. <laughs> Anyhow, so Disney, though, they'll cut you off real quick. They're like, no, you don't get screeners. You don't get to see previews. You get nothing. You get yeah. nothing if you don't then, play ball. Mm -hmm. the, uh, that, that, yeah. That's Disney, though. They're ruthless. They're ruthless. So, no, access media is, <laughs> is true to some degree, but it is definitely true for <laughs> For Disney, which, by the way, is interesting because how has the Marvel's uh, failure been framed largely? It's been, oh, the it's sexism, you know, all oh, all these men are somehow <laughs> in this movie. It was like more men went to this thing than women. Just no one wanted to see it. Even period. more context, remember? So the percentages came. The men that the particular race of men they don't like are the biggest supporters. So it was white people, yeah. uh, Mexicans, blacks, and Asians. But the people understand in context, the top percentage of men that went was the race they don't even like, apparently. <laughs> it's, 
It's, it's also the exact crazy. same people that buy comic books. Comic books by crazy. the people who actually buy the product are overwhelmingly white middle-aged mans with middle tupper incomes, Asian men with, you know, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, upper incomes. It's those are the kind of people that bother to buy comic books. It does it makes sense to me they would be the only ones that actually show up. So, you know what's crazy, man? Is I, I didn't even point this out to this moron on Twitter. How is it that when and I'll, I'll probably make a, make a more larger post about this? Or maybe I'll make a video about it at some point too. Why is that when a guy's movie fails? It's it was trash. I saw it. It was bad. It's everything wrong with it. You, you, people go into I mean we're talking visceral detail about why it's bad. We're talking like paragraphs of bad. Why is that when a, a woman movie fails? We have to make every excuse in the book as to the reason why it, it failed. Other than why are we treating women directors with kid gloves? No, if they want to be here and be with the boy, you know, play with the boys in the sandbox. They got to take the criticism the same way. Now, obviously, if someone's being a complete dick, no, obviously, we should weed those people out. But it, it's so – that's sexist right there is a male movie flops. It gets – man, eviscerated. It's so harsh. It's it just – it's absolute destruction. A female movie flops, oh, you know, just reasons. Like, no, that, that should not be the case. So that, that's, that itself right there is sexist in my opinion. You know, but that's how yeah, I, but I it's, it. it's it's from the political particulars people already have and they just come in and mm. apply them. It's it's it, it's sad. But for a lot of people in the media, it's very much. Oh, here's a story. Here's kind of how we think the world works. Slap the sticker on it. You're good. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't necessarily call that bias, though. It's more it's laziness. Yeah. And it, and it, it, it's, it shouldn't be rewarded, but honestly, those are the kinds of things that get the most clicks at all. Like people are like, Kotaku's going to go down every day, any day now, Kotaku's done. <laughs> it's like, no, Kotaku does great even now. Like people, people click that garbage and they, they, they eat it up. They love it. I mean, they say they hate it, but <laughs> they keep coming back. Yo, we got this cover. It still exists, people. You know how garbage that website is, you know, giant freaking robot. It's still around. I, I don't know these, but. You know, people always say they hate these websites, but anytime they put out a, a bad article, it gets close. Let's use a Screen Geek. Recently, Screen Geek put out the article that so Silver Surfer might be a woman in a uh, mm -hmm. Fantastic Four movie for Phase 6. Now, who knows if that's true, but that doesn't matter. If they can get the millions of, of impressions off that article just to get monetized on X, doesn't matter. They already won. They already got it. They don't care yeah, if the story's but, yeah, that's a good point. That is actually and, a very good point you make. We had I've seen this a lot lately, and I don't know if I'm crazy or not. Because it I'm seems crazy. like there are more <laughs> stories that are half-baked and are unconfirmed being presented as confirmed. And then you get the thing on Twitter. Oh, actually, this isn't true at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, the, uh, great example, Fantastic Four. So it's mm -hmm. like, oh, we're, you know, we're officially confirming that Pedro Pascal is going to be Mr. Fantastic. And then it comes to actually, no, he's just one of many that we're in talks with. We're like, no, that's completely different from the article. Yeah, I yeah. Feel like I'm seeing more of those kind of stories lately where like, they're not actually confirmations, but they're presenting as such. This is almost like a YouTube thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is the worst thing, the biggest catastrophe that ever happened. It's like, well, it was in the southern inland in Italy. And, in you know, it's like in Napoli. It's like, well, I guess that's technically true, but not really. It kind of feels like that to it, me. It feels like. It was very similar to like when uh, Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness came out. Before, before it came out, people were like, oh, or, you know, the idea is random 
very like not even tier two media outlets from promoting this this stuff. It's literally just randoms on Twitter, like we call them scoopers. They call them these uh these uh mm-hmm. what do you call them now the the scoop accounts or whatever. Like my time to shine, hello Daniel RPK. I'm not saying I hate these people, but you have yeah these yeah, people yeah, that yeah no I understand things. what you mean though. Yeah they, yeah they they break it before anyone else can. Yeah they get all the views, all the retweets, all the likes, all the engagement, and I think. Some of the and people, this is what you brought up, and I'm Alberta right now too. No one ever checks if any of that stuff was right. They just get all the views, they get all the attention, they get all the rage out. I don't silver surfers doesn't matter. That person yeah. that's tweeting that doesn't care. All they cared about is how many views that tweet got, how many retweets, how many likes. It's all that matters to them. And no one ever checks if these guys had a good track record. I'm not. I'm not saying Daniel RPK had a bad track record at all. No, no my, I understand what you mean. No, yeah. and this is you know you mentioned giant freaking robot. To giant freaking robots credit though, they they are trying to actually uh, break news. Like they they are actually yeah. are going out there and they're gathering the story. Whereas versus like I know what you're talking about, so like your Instagram or Twitter star. That's like it's like did you actually even like you know it's like Doomcock, but it's like the Doomcock version of you know on Twitter, mm-hmm. and it's like. Is there like anything, like anything at all mm-hmm. to base this? They're like, no, man, just trust me, bro. Just trust mm-hmm. me. And then it comes out the news is like, like vaguely kind of like the guest they announced. You're like, oh, I got it. Mm-hmm. I was right. <laughs> I was like, no, that's and, not that's nothing like anything you said. No, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. I got it. Okay. And and this and this is the thing that people don't understand about why people like Variety, Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, uh, IndieWire. People like that. There's a reason why they, when they put out something, you know it's correct because if you look at their track record, well, they only put out correct stuff. You might not like it, you might hate it. Doesn't mm. matter it, if it's correct. And this is actually a thing. That's how you start believing outlets like that. Now, obviously, they're gonna have biased articles and a lot of their stuff. But if they're pre- presenting like information that's factual that it actually is gonna happen, that creates a track record. So when they do present more bigger information, you're like, shit, it's one of the most credible guys here presenting this. God damn it. Oh, they're probably right. But if it's some random buttfuck nobody on Twitter, they could just put out, uh, I heard, you know, from the janitor in the MCU, uh, uh, Century was casted as Will Smith. Presented by at whoever that is. People are mm-hmm. like, oh my god, a black person is Century? Doesn't matter. That person could have just made that shit up. They literally could have just made that up out of their mind. Yeah, you know? and then now with Twitter, with the way they monetized um, attention, that person could get paid. Though I know Elon's tried to track walk back some of that stuff when it touches like hot excuse me when the top uh touches sensitive topics like you know the israel palestine conflict so there is some walking back with it but i don't think it helps the incentive structure there i think it does incentivize people to be very flagrant with the truth let's say and that's the thing it's all you need is one viral tweet to get monetized i mean you check that dude Miles mm-hmm. Chong and I I've known Ian for a few years now. I actually kind of like the guy, but I mean I'll be <laughs> honest, that is his strategy. Oh, the Asian guy I know you're talking about. Yeah. He might have the shit yeah, he's fucking saying for the post millennial now and then still. Yeah, that's how I know. Yeah. Him. He might be fucking just tweeting shit just because and it's gonna get him paid. We never you never know to have these people on shows like like what we're doing right now, where I can actually, you know, speak to a person physically. You know, you never know if that's someone that could be someone else running their account getting paid through that. You never really know with some people. You just never know. That's what I learned about life. The thing, the thing Elon Musk tweeted, the most unexpected thing is probably the thing that's happening. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, But I did want to ask you something, since you talked about the Marvels earlier. Given the MCU's current state, do you, do you hope there's a world they bounce back 
you know? Because it's looking like I don't know what's going to be the case. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't think – so I don't think the superhero genre is as dead as people have been saying. I'm not sure Star Wars can come back, though. That one I'm not sure because Star Wars was an event – it was a, it was an event movie series, basically. So – when it so basically people were interested in Star Wars because each time it came out with something new it was a big deal. And when you take away that part of it, the big deal part of it, it's like it's anything else. It could be anything, it could be anything at all. And that's the whole that's your advantage on Star Wars. You just got rid of it. So it's a it is an actual question to me if Star Wars can ever come back. Marvel's a little bit different because the, people still have some attachment to the to the films Endgame and before they still have big attachments to the characters. If you played your cards right, if you got if you got like Chris Evans to come back for Captain America four, if you got Iron Man, and there, there have been rumors like that, nothing confirmed, but you've got Iron Man to come back with uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Could you reinflate this thing? I think possibly, but it's going to be hard. And it, it is a good sign that they have announced that they're basically pushing all their films to twenty twenty five and beyond. That is a good sign. That shows that at least they're taking it a bit more seriously. But, but will they be able to understand where they're making these mistakes? I I just don't know. I mean, they got X-Men. They have Fantastic Four. I, I'm not sure that many people are interested in Fantastic Four as much as geeks. Uh, but X-Men's pretty big. Loads of people like X-Men. So, yeah, it, it's possible. I think if they played their cards, they could do it. It's not going to be an easy lift. Uh, in, I mean, no, in no way it's going to be an easy lift. It's going to take a lot of work because, you know, once mm -hmm. trust is lost, it's very hard to win back. But I think there is a shot. Whereas in Star Wars, I I'm just not sure. It's the I same thing that. with DC. Remember, like people lost their faith in DC. We'll be seeing their numbers plummet. Like literally, if you just discount Aquaman, none of their movies since like Shazam 2019 that made over 400 million dollars. The fans have literally quite just given up. I mean, even if yep. people always do this weird thing, dude. Like it, people listening, listen to me, please. My brain's gonna fry. If you like a movie that doesn't change and it failed in the box office, you, you can like whatever mm -hmm. you want, but you have to be able to understand that the movie failed financially, right? Because the reason why you should care if it failed financially is because you want more of this. If it did not perform financially very well, there's less incentives for them to make more of it. And you saw the just the complete diminishing return on these movies, despite people on Twitter saying they love these movies. Oh, I love these movies. I do. Uh, where were you? Because these numbers don't show it. Oh, you know. Yeah, that's right. Life. But a lot of you are lying. <laughs> A lot of you just straight up lying. They, like they'll yeah. be like, "Oh yeah, my uh, yeah, I, I couldn't go to Black Adam because you know my wife cheated on me with my brother. I walked in on them. He finished in her face, and you know, I, the dog left me. You know, I lost my job. My 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 car got stolen by aliens. Mm -hmm. what, whatever. It's it's always excuses with people. <laughs> it, rather than them just being like, "Wait a minute, this has been dog shit. I gave up interest in this. I don't care for this anymore." And that's what I want to lead into with James Gunn's Superman Legacy is. Can, do you think he can reinvigorate the franchise? He's inheriting DC in a very bad state, obviously, you know, live-action-wise. Yeah. Uh, DC, the problem is DC is anytime they can agree to a plan, they quickly switch to some new person in charge of the company who has a different plan. So <laughs> they've cycled through so many plans. <laughs> That's the problem. No one's like, okay, <laughs> is this actually what they're going to do, or is this guy going to be gone next week and we're on to the <laughs> next plan? <laughs> but if if James Gunn actually was allowed to be in charge, it seems like his casting choices he has announced for this new Superman movie look pretty good. I mean, they're they're pretty solid. I'm surprised how strong it is. So I think I think it could happen. But 
I don't know. You do have to consider, you know, more people say they're interested in this stuff than necessarily they go see it kind of like you're, what you were saying. I also have to keep in mind, you know, people's expendable income is not super high right now. And the economy looks like it's not going to be getting better anytime soon. Uh, you know, I have my dogs that I, I just adore. And one of the things we struggled with just just this last month or two is like, well, they really need haircuts and they really need to see the vet. You know, what are we going to do? We go to the vet. We don't get to do haircuts. We get the haircuts. They don't get to the vet. I was like, oh, going to the vet probably the better choice but then you know i have these two you know they're shaggy you know they're they're walking everywhere they got they're where they're way too hairy and that's just kind of how it goes with it you're gonna be asking someone okay so you could take your your money this is the money you could use on a video game you could rent a movie you could i i don't know use it on whatever you want whatever you use for your entertainment budget yes so are you gonna go and spend it on on a on a dc film <laughs> And it's like that's a hard ask right now because I saw rewatched the Flash recently and I'm like, oh, oh no. Yeah, I saw it's, that opening so weekend. Bad. That, movie, that movie stinks. Oh <laughs> man, and it's so sad yeah. too because Flashpoint's probably the best event comic of the last 15 years, and they they just completely mm -hmm. squandered it. But I don't know, you know, zombies. You know, if this is the thing, everything in entertainment is so ephemeral. You think that you're on solid ground and you will be there forever. That's just not the case. Zombie zombies were huge. Remember pre-COVID, biggest yeah. show on TV by a country mile, The Walking Dead. Walking Dead sure. could do no yeah. wrong. They had all these plans. Oh, we're gonna make all these. We're gonna make three Rick movies. We're gonna have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, series. I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then COVID hit, and then it all just fell apart. It just dropped like a rock. All of it. The people's people's interest, I think, in in zombie fiction probably. Now that we're an actual pandemic, they're like, well, we don't really want to talk about the fictional one anymore. <laughs> so, dude, anything could change tomorrow. So people who think that they're they make these sure bets and they don't need to try, which is basically what Disney did. That mm. that that is a lesson we could all take in our lives. Like, you know, be smart, prepare ahead. Never, never think that the the, the sure thing is is going to be there. You know, be ready just in case it isn't. Because one day you might be you might be Disney, you know. And you got who knows how many billions of dollars in debt and you're saddled with some terrible mm -hmm. movies and your, your theme parks are failing. What are you going to do? And you don't want to be the, the personal equivalent of that. Oh, and I'll ask you this because are you a fan of comic books in general? I am. Unfortunately for my sins, I yeah, I am. I don't read as many <laughs> as I used to. I yeah. used to I used to be a weekly reader for DC. I was more I was always more a DC guy than Marvel. <laughs> what made you stop buying modern books then? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I very rarely. I mean, I can't. Rem it's been a long time since I bought a book. I've, I've read books. I've, uh, I, I have. Uh, <laughs> I, not something I want to like tell everyone, but I have. I, I have read some without purchasing. Let's put it that way. Sometimes I get curious. Like, do I want to try to buy some books again? <laughs> okay, I'll just, I'll just check out this issue here on this um not torrent site and uh, uh read it and then i'm like okay no i don't want to i don't want to try again <laughs> sometimes a batman book is good batman's about the only thing that you can reliably say you'll get a, a decently good read otherwise yeah. no i don't i don't i i i'll purchase indies but that's about it mm. and it's it's not just me i mean i've talked to my friends one of my good friends uh, Neon Clownfish TV. I love those guys. I've done work with them. Um, he's knows this too. It's like you, you like a year ago, two years ago, you cover a comic book topic. 
you could get decent traffic. Now it's such a fight. If you're covering any topic comic book, mm-hmm. unless it's like Ripaverse, it's like, oh, Eric July, he's owning everyone. He's putting Marvel DC in their place or whatever <laughs> it is. No one is interested. No one cares. Yeah. And, you know, even uh, I've heard this from Perch. I was trying to think there was um, the, the comic Storian. That used to be a huge YouTube channel. I remember, I think, you yeah. know, they had a production staff. They're putting together these amazing, they're like basically like little documentaries about writers and, and book storylines, mm-hmm. just really amazing stuff. And he's like, yeah, I'm not sure if I can keep the channel going. This was just in this last month he announced that because it's like mm-hmm. no one, no one is interested. It's like the Star Wars example. You've just burned out everyone that was interested in this. And because comic books is much, much less popular than Star Wars, it's basically a burnt out niche. It's like this is one of these weird things that will sort of always kind of exist a little bit, mm-hmm. but being an actual big player in the mainstream culture, I think that's done. And I don't think it's coming back. Mong manga's there and it's taken its place. But you know, pe- you thinking that you know we're ever going to see even anything close to a death of Superman event again, which was like when that came out in the '90s, that was like front cover news throughout the country, throughout the world. No, that's not happening again. It's just going to be a little few geeks and weirdos who who can't seem to let it go. And whenever those people die off, then no one's buying comics. Mm. That's I, I, I'm very, I'm yeah. very, I, I know I'm very dire, but I just, I love the format, but it is I an too. unwise yeah. investment. I, I was, it's crazy you brought that up. I was thinking very similar with someone like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon too, like trading cards. It's like trading cards and comic books are I wouldn't say a thing of the past because they, they had such a huge passionate fan base divided even around it. Like they think, but the thing here is how long do you think it can really go on without any, like, I know people are hate that word innovation when it comes around it, but there needs to be something else driving the, the force of it. If, I'm not saying you need a new audience, but the, the thing here that you brought up earlier is how long do you think this as a medium can survive more years coming when how like, do you, and do you also got to factor in, are we really grabbing newer people? You know, because you need newer people for yep. audiences to grow. But then the people that have been running it, they've been trying to grab an audience that doesn't even exist. So they kind of burnt the people that already were into the medium. So the people that were to it don't even buy books anymore. And they, they're still chasing this mythical unicorn of a new audience that doesn't even like buying their books. It's a weird, weird relationship we have here. It, with is, stuff it now. is weird. You know, I, this is a uh, neon who I just mentioned, who is awesome, by the way, clownfish mm-hmm. TV. It's mo- one of my, if you just want an easy kind of read about what's happening in entertainment news today, oh, that's especially clownfish. Disney really, they're really mm-hmm. good for that. Um, he's really bummed out because, and this is one of my favorite comics too. He loves Scott Pilgrim. He's a huge Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. fan. Um, it, those were fantastic. In the early two thousands, uh, the graphic novels, there's about seven mm-hmm. of them. They are still really good. They hold up really well. They understand gamer culture super well, especially mm-hmm. that time. And that's when I was growing up. Um, and it, it's like, these are so fantastic. These are the, like the geeks geek of, mm-hmm. uh, of graphic novels. And then you like fast forward to the day and we just come out with the, the show that was supposed to be the straightforward adaptation. It, 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 it literally kills Scott Pilgrim in the first episode and turns him into the villain by the end episode. It's basically like, why Scott Pilgrim is wrong. And then it, it just features Ramona Flowers. And I watched it. I'm like, this is cool. Like the animation's cool and interesting. But the other tan, you watch it, and you're like, I think they're, I think, I think that this show and the guy who wrote it don't think very much of me that like the original. I almost think this is like insulting me. 
And that's kind of mm -hmm. what happened in comic books in general. It, it, it was, it wasn't a very, it had an okay population of readers, of consumers, and right. it insulted all of them somehow. Cause the idea was they were going to flip from just selling it mostly to the, the guys we mentioned earlier, you know, the older white men, mm -hmm. Asians, Hispanics, mm -hmm. and we're now going to flip this to be a girl brand and we'll have so many people coming to interest. So they went from a <laughs> relatively small niche, but they had a lot of people in it to a much bigger audience, but fewer people buying it. And that was a, so such a detrimental um, tactic. And on top of that, they thought by somehow attacking the previous audience would bring the new audience in. I have no idea that that seems almost similar to G4 in a way, doesn't it? Right. It's just like, what, what are you, are, what are you thinking? And that's kind of what I see in the Scott Pilgrim show. And it was a reminder, like we got, we, we didn't get here by accident. People were making active choices to insult and put people down and they mm -hmm. shouldn't have been surprised and say, you know what? I'm not picking up my book this week. If you don't want my money, then I'm not going to give it to you. And I can't blame a single person that does that. That's, that's what my friends on the left who, who feel like all oh, these terrible nerds, why are they so angry? It's like, you go, if you go to the, if you go get your fast food, right? Go to McDonald's and the person says, I hate your guts. What, what do you want to order today? <laughs> you want to buy a fish fillet, by the way, you're the worst person on human earth and everything wrong in the world is because of people like you. Well, what, what, are you going to come back? Like, what? what, what? It's so crazy. Like you shouldn't have expected anything else, but somehow the comic book industry, the Marvel movies to some extent, they really believe this. That was kind of the operating thinking for the last, uh, you know, almost a decade now. Like it, none of it works that way. I haven't, like, have you ever worked a job? <laughs> Did insulting people help? I have never once in my life when I put down the customer that led to good things for me, not once. I, it's, but somehow these billion dollar corporations, they thought otherwise. So here we are. Now I'm going to get off my soapbox. That was my little rant. Oh, no, <laughs> because these people just don't understand. It's like, what? Uh, it's, it's crazy how like they'll make money, consistent money doing something. And then they'll be like, why are all these people mad? What the fuck? You ch if you fundamentally change things people like. I can see why they don't want to buy your product. I don't get it. Like, what the fuck? And then, yeah, this is yeah. this is my concern. Like, I I kind of think about this because Doctor Who. I mean, my biggest fandom of all time is Doctor Who. Like, I I swear I should get like full body tattoos at this point. I love Doctor Who to pieces, and it's like I kind of look like the original reboot from two thousand five. You know, and the, the, one of the big show uh, RTD Russell T Davies. He did Queer Eye. For the straight guy, he's a gay guy. He's very, he's kind of into activism. His strategy, though, for the 2005 show was not to insult people. It wasn't like, oh, you don't like, you don't like the gays. You're a terrible, horrible person. Go sit in the corner. No, it was like, here are the gay characters, and they're really cool and interesting. Here's why you should like them. This is how you win people to your side. Now, today, I haven't seen it, but I, I talked to a friend that has seen, has seen a screener of the new show, and they're like, it, it doesn't really do that. It does kind of more the negative way and that concerns me you know i you know it's like you get people to your side by by showing them why they should care you know why should you care you know you you coax them over you persuade them you don't you don't you don't mock them you don't put them down and so my concern right now is like okay dr who are you gonna break my heart are you gonna is this gonna be you know the nth 
thing now to do this? And I, I really hope not. Because the, the 2005 RTD thing works. We know that works. If you want, you know, all the positives we ever see in the culture, where it's like disability rights, you know, um, uh, uh, free speech. You do that by showing people why that's a good thing. That's how you win. That that's that's the success formula. And if you get away from that, then you're you're you know you're trying to ask failure to come along. But it seems like a, such a hard thing for our culture to understand. Both the left and the right. I see this in conservative media all the time too. It's like, don't go there, guys. It doesn't work. I know it feels like it should work. I know it, it's like, oh, all my buddies are giving me high fives. Oh, you're so cool. Oh. It's like, yeah, but you just. That was like needlessly useless, but no one wants to listen. And that's the thing is what you brought up earlier, which is the, or not even they'll say it. They'll have their actors and the producers and executives and writers out here doing interviews, basically just saying so much shit. And they're like, why is our ratings bad? You know what's true? I hate you guys. You're instaphobes. I hate you all. And if you believe any of this stuff, I actually hate your guts. But hey, could you please support my movie? Could you please go buy my new yep. What? Why won't they go to my movie? <laughs> Why don't they like me? You called them a, bu a bunch of zeitness. Oh, yeah, but I actually hate their guts too. No, you don't say that. Good Lord. <laughs> you, 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 that, you just <laughs> shut up. You can believe it. You just don't say it. Yeah. Oh God. Like that that's the thing. Uh we have this uh very popular esports team called you know SKT or T1 or Faker and everything. G guys, you really think Faker likes all of you? No, he probably hates your guts, but he can't say that to you because you know, reasons, right? Th that's the opposite with this industry. They're like, I hate every single one of you fucking nerds. But you know what? Could you please support my movie? I I, I need to keep my bills on. I need to keep my life paid. Why would Dude, I do even something? DSP gets this at least? DSP. <laughs> The greatest law, the greatest lazy law cow that ever lived. He even understands this principle. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it's so hard for like Disney or Marvel to understand it. It, it it's so basic. But I, I guess it kind of goes to the the start of our because it's not it's not just like it's not just mm -hmm. millennials and Gen Z. It's like our culture. Like somehow it got disconnected from reality. It's like we all actually know how people are. So why mm -hmm. do we pretend otherwise? But we decided that that. That people actually aren't people. They're these these like these these social media characters. And if you <laughs> tell them the one thing, they'll go a certain direction. If you tell them the other, they go mm -hmm. the other direction. You know, it's like a video game. And it, it, it's like, no, <laughs> sorry, no, sorry. The the rules that apply when you work at Walmart, when you work at your nine to five job in retail, the restaurant, the construction site, those apply everywhere. Right. Yeah. They're, there's not special people. There's not like, oh, but you don't understand the Walmart people. They are only at Walmart. No. <laughs> no, they're everywhere. They're everyone. <laughs> oh, goodness. And yeah, I was going to ask you a few more things before we head out. It's probably late where you're at, too, which is uh, you have any big plans for your YouTube channel coming up in 2024? Any like New Year's resolutions you've been thinking about? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we are uh, been a bit bit slow, but we are covering uh, the stuff that happened with the escapist. I am interviewing one of the guys that moved over now to Second Wind, so we're going to go into that. Um, we reworked a previous interview we did with the founder of the escapist, so they're going to come together as a package. Uh, we're hoping to get uh, Mr. Vic Mignon to come back uh, this next month. We have Chuck Dixon on the way, so we we have some good stuff. I've been trying to figure out a way to get some Doctor Who alum on the show and i think i i know a, a few ways that we're gonna try but no we got we got good stuff and you know i'm i'm disabled so sometimes getting work done and meeting everything but you know the channel is 
the main focus. And, you know, I'm really happy. You know, I don't obviously I don't have the most views in the world, but, you know, any growth is nice. And that when I get comments, they're like, you know, I watched or listened to this today while at work or I really love this. And, you know, I went to go check. I love that kind of thing. That makes me so happy because it's like beyond like, you know, getting paid is awesome. By the way, pay is great. Not putting pay down, but when you when you do something and people are telling you, yeah, this was rewarding. This this improved my life just a little bit. That that always puts a smile on my face, and that's what we try to do at Culture Skate. We want to have rewarding, smart, useful conversations. You know, mm-hmm. I I used to write a lot of the kind of stuff that would get people mad, uh, and you know, it would get good traffic. But I don't necessarily feel good about myself afterwards because I'm like. Did I did I help people understand why this thing that I love so much? So it's like comics or Doctor Who or Star Wars. Did I help people understand why I love so much and why it is amazing and good and worth appreciating? Or did I just make a lot of people mad? And while that <laughs> has some value, you know, comics, comics aren't going to survive just making people mad. We know that much now. Uh, so it's worth, you know, I think that you were doing here today on your show trying to have smart commentary. And, Thank you so much for bringing me on. I know it was a little bit of a mess. I'm really worn out because I'm getting ready for Thanksgiving. No, man, I think that's okay. the way forward. I think that's the way forward. I think it's people like you, things like Culture Scape, they're going to have those real conversations. And, you know, the news media, they're going to, they, they might eventually figure this out. But the, the future version of news mm-hmm. is the influencer. It is the YouTube model. It's people having real conversations because people are tired of the crap, too. Uh, they want to have useful information that's engaging to them. And I, I think that's a good thing. It's a hard thing. You know, if you want to make a living in journalism, that's becoming very, very difficult to do. And that's sad. But the other hand, I think the information we're starting to see from places like uh, your show is a very positive and a very good thing. And I, I look forward to seeing how that future plays out. Yeah. And that's the thing. Uh, last thing I'll tackle is like the whole streaming model. People didn't like the whole streaming model coming up because it changes how the industry works. And you factor in with, you know, news media outlets and stuff like that. They don't want this kind of thing to ever evolve and be bigger because it takes away the perceived power that they have essentially. Yes, I agree. Yeah. One of my friends, Taylor Lorenz, who like probably the half, half of everyone I know probably hates her guts. This is one thing I think Taylor Lorenz gets very right. And I wish people on the right would understand it when she says that the the media does not actually understand how people consume and use the Internet. She's correct. She says because her thing is like people are really into TikTok. They watch a lot of YouTube. They're they're into following their Instagram stars. It's like that's actually where people's heads are at. It's not Fox News. It's not whatever CNN News is covering. Mm -hmm. And what she has discovered is the same thing I've discovered. Anyone that's actually intellectually Mm -hmm. honest is that the news media as it has been has very little interest in actually understanding how the vast majority of people get their information and their real news. And she's absolutely correct. And the pe- those companies and those institutions that refuse to learn, well, eventually they're just going to go by the wayside. So if you're interested in news and you're like, well, you know, I kind of want to I kind of want to work in news. You know, you're one of those poor, poor fools like myself. Uh, <laughs> don't expect a lot of money at that would be my first one. But my second thing, if you want to be in news, you know, where should you start? Start with YouTube. I mean, maybe do some blog, but start with YouTube. That that's the thing. That's the future. If that's where you that's where this thing is going. And hopefully that's better than what we have. And if you want to make it better, if you want to see a better world, you know, don't just sit there, go out, go out and do it like you're yourself here. You know, you're trying to make a positive impact. 
And I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be a great future. And I think that's, that is going to be a positive one. You know, it'll be like 10, 20 years from now. We'll look back and the Fox News well, of the yeah. world, the CNNs, they're going to look so antiquated. Yeah, they're, it's, what's crazy is we'll be those, uh, remember that Snapchat freaking meme that was popping up, everyone turning old? We'll be like old, old people, back in my days and stuff. <laughs> we changed <Yeah>. the world. <laughs> uh, but I want to be a part of that world. Hopefully I live long to be a part of it too. You know, bad things always can happen, you know? Holy crap. But I don't hope bad things happen to people because that's, you know, I want everyone to have a long lasting fruitful life. But then again, will the MCU have a long lasting fruitful life at the box office? Probably not. Probably not. Unless they literally change their uh, ways. But that's probably not going to happen either because I feel like shit would have to get really, really, really bad for that to happen. And it's getting bad, but they're probably thinking like, let's not hit the fan yet, you know, but let's. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. I was gonna ask, do you do you uh stream this and then like edit it and then put it out as an episode, or is the stream the straight up episode? Oh, just stream straight up episode. Okay, because I was gonna say I feel like my introduction is really terrible because you were like introduce yourself, and I was like, Well, let me tell you about my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was not that was not good. So if you're somehow here, yeah, 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 yeah. No, my my name is Peter Fishke. I'm a freelance journalist. I do culture scape, uh, the show that interviews the geek and creators that built nerd culture. And uh, I hope there's a lot more people like you and me. I think there is, you know, that's the thing as negative as I am about the world. I do think there is a desire for it to be better. And it's conversations like this that, that do that. And so I, I thank you for letting me be on the show today, man. It was fun. Anytime, brother. Yeah. I'm going to give you a follow uh, on Twitter. You... I don't know if I was following you actually. Well, I, 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 I think I follow you now, but if I don't, I definitely will. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm happy. Like, I know I seem, that's why I go by the happy warrior on Twitter. I, as suck, as much suckage as is in the world today, I do think that there is, we're heading to a better place. And that, that makes me happy. Cause it's like, yeah, like things may suck now, but look what we're, what's coming up tomorrow. So it's like, yeah, let, let's be happy about it. So I will leave you with that and uh, have a, have a Yo, happy man. Thanksgiving. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. Anyone who is going to, you know, watch this and listen to this live. And obviously when I put this episode out on, you know, podcasting platforms as well. Happy holidays, everyone. We'll see you guys later. Peace out, everyone. Deuces. Ciao.